you can even see how these guys will load up where, like I said, you, you'll see a guy dribbling a basketball and, and, and he's falling and he falls. And then when he gets ready to go by somebody, he goes negative. And that's when he goes past the person. Next thing you know, he's jumping and ducking. But, but yeah, gravity's helping him. And then he also goes with gravity. Instead of fighting gravity, he's going to go down with it. And that's that, my saying below the hard deck from Top Gun. Go below the hard deck. That was a Darien Barr, and you're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Simply Faster. There are a lot of sports technology companies out there, but Simply Faster is the only website you can go to that features an online store that covers the bandwidth of training technology, from force plates to timing systems to muscle simulators and more. Some products of Simply Faster that I use and love include things like the Freelap Timing System and K-Box, or coaches' favorites such as GymAware. Recently, Simply Faster has added two units that, as a coach, you should definitely take a look at. The first is the Muscle Lab Contact Grid which is an extremely affordable and portable step-by-step, literally, system to collect data on jumps, bounds, sprints, agility, hurdle hops, and really as much as your creative mind can imagine. In what used to take a whole runway worth of collecting of data collecting strips, the contact grid does it all with only two small strips that together cover up to 40 meters of sprinting. Ground contact time, step rates, rhythms, and beyond are at your fingertips with this device. Another new unit, the VO2 Master, is an ultra-portable gas exchange analyzer. Don't guess on energy system development when you can get direct insight into VO2 capabilities in relation to specific sports skills, rather than uh, being hooked up to tubes on a treadmill or worse yet, a cycle ergometer to get a VO2 max. Think of the VO2 Master as your own gas exchange lab without the tubes and wires. Deepen your analysis in the specific conditioning preparation of your athletes with the VO2 Master today. These products and incredible customer service make Simply Faster your go-to for your sports technology needs. I'm happy to have partnered with them in sponsoring this podcast. Their support has been tremendous, so check them out today at simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. Adarian Barr has been a mentor to me well over the last three years of my coaching and athletic life. It's hard to imagine observing athletic movement without knowing the things that I've learned from him. Honestly, almost every single facet of my process in terms of my layers of awareness, what I'm looking for, where I'm starting in the kinetic chain has been massively impacted by the teachings of Adarian Bar. And I'm not one who's easily swayed either. I understand my biases. I understand the bias for um, a contrarian bias or trying to be new and cool and unique. I cross-check everything. Adarian stuff is amazing. It is an incredible way of looking at athletic movement, and I am happy to have him back on the show. Adarian is a coach, a biomechanist, and an inventor. He's been on this show previously four times, talking about a gamut of athletic concepts, the foot, pressure, arches, athletic asymmetry, and a whole lot more. They're all awesome episodes. I hope you've had a chance to tune into them. Today, we get into a topic that... Um, I love, again, I love all the podcasts that he's, done, that he's done, that I've done with him, but this one might be my favorite. And I think it's my favorite because it speaks to something that is at, that is at the absolute heart of what makes an innate athlete. That athlete you watch walking around or running around or jogging, and you know they are fast. <laughs> you know they are athletic. You know they can jump high. 
And that is an athlete's relationship with gravity. We all, uh, we all have the same 9.81 meters per second squared. And you're going to hear that in the show today. We all work with it. But yet so many things that are done in the coaching realm and things that I've done, things that I've instructed athletes in, um, presuppose or irritate or harm our relationship with gravity. If you watch children, and, and again, I don't want to take too much away from the show, but if you just watch natural athletes versus that really rigid, overcoached athlete, there's such a difference. And when you watch the people who are winning the 60-meter dash, Christian Coleman setting the 60-meter world record, running a 4.12 in the 40, he's doing things different. And he has a relationship with gravity that is different than a lot of other athletes. That's what we're digging into today. Same thing with watching. I was watching a 5.4 dunker the other day. That guy has a way that he, a relationship with gravity in his last few steps that is fundamentally, and yes, he's 5.4, but different than other athletes. And these are things that we need to pay attention to. These are things that we shouldn't just write off and say, well, that athlete's just more powerful. They're just, they're just, and yes, these athletes are freak show athletes, but, and they also are powerful, but there's things that they do that need to be addressed. And Darian is the master of that. He's the master of taking us through these elements that make these athletes elite. So for the show today, Adarian's going to go into a description of the essential two falls that are happening. So the ways that we are falling with gravity and we're doing it twice during running and sprinting. We're going to go into how to use gravity to fall better in athletic movement and how this can uh, maximize our elastic capacities for better sprinting and jumping and just a more natural movement. So not only are we going to get into using gravity and working with gravity in the best way we can, but we're also going to get into the fine points of isometrics, muscles selectively firing isometrically to act as brakes, to act as quick redirectors, and how an isometric is the most natural and fast twitch method available for athletes. We're going to get into that on uh, the dynamic end of the spectrum, so in actually sprinting or athletic dynamic movement, and how it manifests in the weight room, so a lot of practical weight room implications. Again, great episode. I always love having a Darian Bar on, and I know you guys are going to get a ton out of this podcast. So enjoy it. Here we go. Episode 191 with a Darian Bar. So, so what made, what made Coleman so fast at the recent world championships? You watch eight guys, right? All running. Like what's those things that make him stand out that makes him just a little bit better than the rest of the field? Well, what's funny is when people talked about how Coleman said he wasn't doing any fine tuning or speed work yet. And you know, I think, well, why? If, if you can wake up in the morning and run 6.37, almost a world record, why? You know? And if you hadn't been doing anything, why not? If you could have ran faster. That's, those are the kinds of things that pop out. But anyway, what made him faster to me was his just ability to fall. How fast he could fall and how far he could fall, you know? And I think that's the biggest thing that, that people are, are, are missing out on is, is, is falling is, is it. Yeah, I think one of the things I've probably racked my own brain over, at least particularly before I met you, but, uh, you know, was how can I get my stride length longer? And so I would think, oh, I have to punch the ground harder. I have to apply more force. And yes, yeah, so we, we want to be able to apply a lot of force. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're able to run fast, you have that ability. But right. there's other things that are going on in this equation. And so, gra- yeah, gravity is the thing we've been talking about recently and how, how to work with that and how to be, how to be better with it. Right, and even, even it makes sense with, about punching because if gravity is going to pull me down, 
you know, and it's not pulling me down any faster. It's just acting upon me for a longer distance, which means I'm accelerating over a longer distance. So it means, yeah, when I hit the ground, it's going to be a stronger punch. It's going to be a stronger punch because instead of, you know, if you only fall an inch, there's not much to it. But if you fall five inches, gravity's still the same, but the distance it pulled you over makes a different part when you hit the ground. Yeah, and so and before I, I, I get uh, too far, because uh, I had a thought that kind of goes with that, is what you're talking about is, and I think we were talking about this a few weeks ago, was the, the idea that there's the two falls that are happening. Right. Uh, could you explain those? What are the two falls when I'm sprinting or running or accelerating that are happening? Well, I, I think one of the things that we talk about is the vertical and horizontal force, push, pull, whatever the case may be. But that makes them in conflict with one another. You know, we always, uh, instead of things working in pairs and tandems, you know, we seem to want to make things conflict. But if you get a vertical fall and a horizontal fall, now you're going to work in tandem and they add up, which is going to be much better than saying they fighting each other or going against each other. You need one or the other. So, so the vertical fall is just that. It's just you being pulled straight back down to the earth. And then the horizontal fall is what happens once you contact the earth to fall towards the ground. And, and that's more or less what's going to happen with what we call a shin angle change. And the faster that change happens, that means you're being accelerated towards the ground at a high rate. Yeah, so that, that vertical fall, that's in the, the x-axis, right? That, that x is straight up and down, I think. Why? <laughs> oh, y-axis. <Why? laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't spend time in a biomechanics lab for tears of my life. You could have called whatever. You could call it A and B. <laughs> yeah, the straight up and down axis. Yeah, right, no, right. some people might yeah, give me a little grief for that one. Uh, but the straight up and down axis of movement. So it's basically the... Our, the first fall is our center of mass, if you will, right in, in behind the belly button, like just falling straight down towards towards the earth. Right. And then the second one is once the foot hits the ground, that really the shin falling forwards is that's the second that's fall. That's the second one. Yeah. And, and some people have no fall. Some people have just a vertical. And some people have just a horizontal. And the best have both. They, they have a vertical and a horizontal fall. Yeah, and you had shown me this video. It wasn't even you analyzing this video, but it was Christian Coleman. Who, right. And those of you guys listening who, Christian Coleman, obviously, uh, fastest accelerator, world record holder, 60-meter dash, ran a 412 in the 40. Um, he's doing things that other people don't do with speed. And someone had noted, like, his shoulders bobbing up and down a little bit in that acceleration. And you note people doing that as well in your videos, clearly. But right. that I think that represents a little bit like what you're talking about. Or Can you talk about right. how he's using that? Well, that same thing is it, sprinting to me is, is controlling the fall. How we can manage these falls, how do we control these falls instead of us rolling down a hill out of control. You know, so, so how do we manage these things? And one of the things you have to do is understand that you're falling first and not interrupt it. The second thing is how do you fall faster? You know, how do I make myself fall faster? And some of the bobbing is actually helping you to fall faster because now you get into levers. And, and I'm trying to, to, to take advantage of this lever to even fall faster. Yeah, I think uh, I think an area that I know a lot of people definitely understand this, or at least I've, I've heard it this way, is, is I've seen in the triple jump world, because I think triple jump is very unforgiving if you don't do it right. Right. <laughs> Versus sprinting, you can do it wrong and still like not hurt yourself. Right, but, right, right. But triple jump, they'll say, I, I remember hearing this in like I think a Boosh Nextator video or something where you can't in triple jump like anticipate the ground, really sweep that leg down actively. Uh, you have to kind of wait for it and be reflexive. Right. And I think if anyone has triple jumped and bounded intensely, like they get it. Like they probably tried sweeping down and maybe they fell on their face or just didn't feel good or they jammed their bones in their foot <laughs> or something, right? Like you yeah. can't do that stuff going through the air that hard and 10 times body weight, right? You right. have to work with gravity. But in sprinting, we 
we have all these things that mess it up. <laughs> right, right. We have a lot of things that mess it up from, from arm swing to, to, you know, using the big toe when we shouldn't use the big toe um, to, to standing up. I mean, we do so many things to interrupt gravity pulling you back down and gravity pulling you at a high rate. Yeah, how does, um, so how does something like, uh, I think it's very common in accelerating to do like a punch, like really like, like punch or hammer that foot towards the ground. So how does that hurt our ability to f make the fall and use gravity or work with gravity? Well, because you, this, this the whole thing, if you're, if you're falling, the brain's already anticipating something. And so if you're falling uncontrollably, the brain's going to try and punch the foot itself. It's control of what's going on. When you say you're going to punch the ground yourself, the brain's not expecting that. So yeah. now you got this unintended thing happening that you got to react to. That becomes a thing that, that the brain's already trying to help you, and then you interrupt the help that you're about to get. Yeah, it makes sense to me. We were talking about it a little bit before. It's like, as human beings, we were you know, designed, evolved, whatever, like to work with gravity, like right. to stand upright and to deal with 9.81 meters per second squared acting upon us. Right. And it's when we start to introduce these things that almost work against the way that we're designed to work with gravity, it starts to change the equation. We're, we're, we're presupposing the effects of gravity. Right, 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 right. And, and, and people are fighting gravity when you shouldn't fight gravity. Yeah. You know, it's... it's like I tell people, it's the initial force that's acting upon the body. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, sprinting or running or jumping, and they are saying the initial force is the muscle uh, pushing you, but what's holding you to the ground already? <laughs> Gravity. <laughs> you know, so that's the initial force that's helping you load levers and everything, get things going. And so that's what we must also maintain is, is, is working with that continued force versus fighting it. Yeah, and you were saying just a few minutes ago how I mean, gravity is fast. Like, it, it's not it's, a slow thing. <laughs> like, it, it acts on you quickly. And so yeah. it, it's a powerful thing, right? Right, right, right. Well, think about the, the falcon. You know, the, the falcon has to climb, I think, eight, <clears throat> 900 feet just to reach 200 miles an hour. But once it gets back down to, to wherever it started from, in a sense, it's slow. It can't fly the level. It's, it, it, if, it, if it don't hit the pigeon before it levels out, it's done. We're in the same boat. It's just how far are we going to fall? And so those that fall the farthest will run the fastest, jump the highest. Those that don't fall, it won't. It's just, it's just that simple. Yeah, and that, I think that explains really well why Christian does have that bob. Like that, that bob, yeah, because he, he's, he's, he's falling and, and he's, he's directing the fall. Now, whether he's doing it, you know, involuntary or voluntary, that's a whole other question. Yeah. But he is controlling it very well. 100%. And, and he's not fighting it, you know, and that's, that's like why is he so low? The lower you are, the greater the fall. That's what people are missing out on. The lower you are, the greater the fall because the shin angles get involved. And you're, you're talking about the lower you are, meaning, and, and like the idea you were saying before, we were just out the track doing all these things, which is an awesome session, by the way. Right. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I've got no, 100 things. Not I've got like five really good things to put in my knowledge banks for every workout I do this week. But the idea of almost like if you look at the hips or that, I, I like thinking about like if I have my belly button, like a line you know, going horizontal across the track with my belly button. Um, you're talking about like falling below that line, like right. below, not not pushing yourself above that that rail or that line as you're going. Right, 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 right. Because your brain has has locked in zero, and so if you come back to zero, it doesn't care. If you go below zero, now it starts to worry and yeah. it wants to stand you back up. Which is what we want. We want it to stand us back up. So if I if I'm at zero and I fall to what they would call negative ten, then I'm gonna get a yeah. big reaction out of my body to try and get me back to zero. If I go to a positive 10, come back to zero, nobody cares again. 
Yeah, it's probably not far off like the stumble reflex. Like you have reflexes that are designed to keep us from landing on our face. Right, yeah. right. And that's we're not letting these things work for yeah. us. And everybody talks about running on reflexes, but then we interrupt these reflexes that are helping us go, you know, and that's what we're talking about even like with Kemp. You know, uh, Kemp is beating Coleman 15, 20 meters because he's falling better than Coleman's falling. Mm-hmm. And then he stops falling and Coleman keeps falling. Next thing you know, it's a whole different race. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that's what he's been trained to do is stand up and start running. And then all of a sudden, yeah, he's not falling. And then Coleman goes right by him. Yeah. And everyone out there who's, um, who's listening to this, obviously we don't have video running live. It'd be cool if we had this like live video, we're like watching together. <laughs> Maybe, you know what, someday that's going to happen. Right, we're going right, to do, right, we're going right. to do that, but go to watch, uh, I'll take it in the show notes, go to just watch the show notes. We'll have that uh, 60 meter final. You can watch how, uh, Kemp and Coleman are using gravity differently at those different portions of the race. I, yeah, it's, it's just built. You think about too, like anyone watching jumping, dunking, uh, which is so innate, right? Because don't those guys don't have coaches sitting there telling them how to do a three sixty right. off the right. backboard? Like you <laughs> know, it's coaching. You do or you don't. <laughs> and that guy's using gravity to fall into right. the uh, as naturally. He's not like interrupting it. You know? Right, right. You can even see how these guys will load up. Where, like I said, you you'll see a guy dribbling a basketball and 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 he's falling and he falls. And then when he gets ready to go by somebody, he goes negative. And that's when he goes past the person. Next thing you know, he's jumping and ducking. But, but yeah, gravity's helping him. And then he also goes with gravity. Instead of fighting gravity, he's going to go down with it. And that's that, my saying, below the hard deck from Top Gun. <laughs> go below the hard deck. <laughs> that's another shirt. We got uh, work. <laughs> what was the thing? It was like work with 9 point. Or what was it? Uh, oh, I, I already forget. It was oh, our we, little hashtag We all before. got 9.8. <laughs> yeah, we, got, we all got our 9.81. You know, no matter how old you are, no matter your, how much, you know, fast twitch, slow twitch impulse, we all got 9.81. <laughs> it was funny, yeah, because I posted that you and uh, the, the football player running together. Right, right. And uh, someone commented like, oh, max velocity. Like, it's like our mind doesn't go to that gravity, using gravity. We all got it. We can we all, all use it. We all got it. And, and the difference is how long does it act upon you in pulling you down? That's, that's the biggest thing. I, yeah, and the thing I was thinking about when you said that and how Coleman has that bigger fall below the baseline, below right, that right, baseline, right, 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 right. is, is in, in doing depth jumps, and this is something I found when I was very young, uh, was in, in scouring the vertical jump literature, is if we do a depth jump off of like a 10-inch box, a 20-inch box, a 30-inch box, if you progressively go higher, I did this experiment to try to see how high of a box did I have to jump off before I didn't get any higher in my rebound? And right. I think I got, when I was a little springier and more reactive, I was getting up to like maybe about 36 before I dropped off. But what I found was 12 inch, if I dropped off a 12 inch and jumped, I would get maybe 29 inches rebound. But when I got up to 18, I got maybe 30. Right. And when I got up to 24, it was maybe almost 31 and it would plateau at about 31 until I got so high and then right. it would drop back off. But, and, and I'm a little different than other, some other athletes, but, but, there is that point where more gravity, more drop allowed me to store energy better and rebound it and recycle it better. And, you know, it's going to be different for everybody, of course. Right, right, but. right, right. But, but, you know, there's a difference between falling one inch and five inches. <laughs> yes, big, big yes. difference, you know. And that's why even like running stairs or hills is different because you're interrupting falling. You really got to, if you really want to work hill work or, heel, or, or stairs work, you really got to squat down low mm-hmm. to get the falling effect. If you stand up tall and go up stairs or hills, that's why it makes it so tough because you're not yeah. getting the help of gravity to help pull you up the hill in a sense. You know, that's, that's one of the things. Yeah, that's where the running tall, like punching, knee driving really presupposes that effect. It doesn't right. let you even really feel it. It's you're, you're putting something into the ground rather than working with gravity to let your body accept the ground properly. Right, the, right, the right, right, right. Well, you know, like, it's, like I tell people, it's, you know, we have to ask different questions. For instance, you know, 
not against running tall because people run fast running tall. Yes, you yeah, know? certainly. But this becomes a thing is, is if the leg is already extended when it hits the ground, how do you push off of it? Mm-hmm. It's extended. <laughs> where's the push going to come from? Yeah, where's the push going to yeah. come from? The glutes, everybody's extended already. So how does that work? And what do you see? A lot of times people run tall where they lose it at, at top end. They lose it at top end. You know, and you could you could stack pictures of a person running tall and a person that's running squat at the top end, and, and you'll see the biggest difference in, in who's winning at top end. And everybody talks about top end, but yeah, as soon as you run tall, you start running out of juice in a sense. Yeah, or like oh, the the forced running tall. You know, not right, like like right. I mean, we could all agree like Bolt runs with his hips pretty high. Right, uh, right, 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 right. His hips are high, but when he when he's on the ground. He's in a semi-squatted position. Yeah, he gets that point where he can apply thrust. Right, 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 right. Versus some other people are running tall. The leg is completely straight. There's no yeah. bend to it at all. How does that, how does that work to push if, it's, if the knee is straight? I, at that point in time, you have to do a calf or a toe raise to make that happen. And a lot of people do have strong enough calves they can do it. Calves, calves are pretty good at what they do, too. Yeah, that was one of those first big take-home moments I had from you is, is and I, I'd seen, I think Franz Bosch had, had I, I know I've seen it in Franz Bosch's book or, or video where it's like there's that when the thigh is perpendicular to the ground and, and running, that, that shin has to be bent backwards to apply thrust backwards for the glute to work to put horizontal thrust out it. It has to be there. And I, then I'm, like, looking at people doing, like, running wickets and, and getting coached all. I'm like, wait, where, what happened to that angle? You know, like, where right, did that right, angle Right, 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 right. And you still, and you're back to levers again, you know, that, that you have this class three lever at the hip. It doesn't work if it's already straight. <laughs> it, it's, it, it has to start someplace. So, yeah. And, and then you can't load the class two. And then the class one doesn't work. So you lose three levers in one, in one fell swoop. Yeah, it's it's yeah, those the lever systems and how you've gone into that. That's when I really, you know, like I said, it's like I got five things to work on. That only goes to ten things to think about. <laughs> it's, it gets crazy, but I, I love that stuff, and so, it makes yeah. Yeah, I, and even like today, you know, out here at the session with people, like I said, we don't record these, mm-hmm. but just understanding how the foot can be a class one lever two ways, just based on how it rotates around the mm-hmm. toe, around around the big toe. It, it can go in two ways, you know, lateral or 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 aft and forth. Just based on how the foot is going to rotate, and that, and people probably watch it like, what do you mean rotate around the big toe? But you had to be here, yeah, to, to see, and you go, okay, but yeah, 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 and that's what it, it's what made me think. Like if you watch a block start from the back with people who are real fast, you see them. They put that big toe down, and then that calcaneus everts, and it, it that foot everts around the back, and then there they go. But you no, know, if you don't know what to look for, you don't. It, you, so it's like, oh, here's some guys <laughs> like a regular toe raise, <laughs> like yeah. a regular toe raise. Yeah, yeah regular. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. For in terms of learning to fall better, uh, obviously, I think even the first time you mentioned it, I was just thinking about, oh, well, I'll just let myself fall a bit, and I'm like, well, that feels pretty good, like because you feel the reflexive loading, and I think does that fit in too with how you had had mentioned like pulling is really better than pushing, like it's more of a pull, right, uh, right, right, with it. right, right, because then then the pull gets you into the fall, you know, because. When you, when, you, when you go to pull, it creates the forward fall. If you go to push, it makes you stand up, which doesn't create the fall. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, so, so pulling into a fall is basically what you're trying to do. Pull yourself into a fall, and then when you hit the ground, you're going to pull yourself into another fall and another fall. If you extend and push away, you're going to stand up, and that, that interferes with that part of, of the gravity pulling you and actually accelerating you. Cool. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, I mean, yeah, and I've always, I never, even back when I was 20 years old, and some maybe I, I don't know if I mentioned this on one of our our former podcasts, but right. some coach came in uh, as a guest coach to teach us block starts. This is when I was in college, and his big thing was 
And I'm like pure elastic. I'm not the best in the squat rack anyways. Right. And this guy had big quads. You can just kind of tell this is his thing is, you know, really like work that front leg, that front quad in the block and push out of it as hard as you can. He was trying to get everyone to do that. And I did a couple of times. I'm like, I really don't feel faster. Like I'll, right, I'll entertain right. you, but like I, this just does not <laughs> feel good to me. And I pushed my back to whatever I was doing. Well, you know? well that even gets into, like say when you say pull, you know, people forget about the pelvic is, is doing the work to help pull you around and, and so because we blocked it in neutral instead of letting the thing move but if i if i'm in blocks i'm already folded up you know so if i go ahead and 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 that's why i don't like tilt i like move it forward or move it backwards if i'm in blocks and and i push my pelvic forward it's going to pull me out of the blocks and create me a, a fall if i push my pelvic backwards it's going to make me fall without extending but either way, either way takes advantage of falling. If you lock the pelvic in, then you're going to push and you have to leap out, and then it doesn't take, take advantage of falling in gravity. So you're really, by that you're saying that if I'm, if I'm going to run and I have, let's say I have my left leg in front and my right leg in back, as I start going, that right pelvis, that back leg and the right, um, the pelvis that's on that right leg in the back side of my body as that comes to the front that right pelvis is going forward and helping to lift me to create the fall essentially right yeah, if it like stays locked in back then it, there's the fall is going to be terrible right right yeah. then you're going to extend and not fall and you want to create you you want to assist yourself fall you want at that point in time you're actually trying to help gravity make you fall yeah and i mean clearly like the the tilt is does play a role it is important like if you're locked in interior tilt and you don't ever get out of it like that's a problem but if you if the pelvis moves it's probably going to tilt the other way it's, it's gonna, yeah 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 and just like we saw today you know where where you know when we put a, a different spin on front side and back side based on do i need to make my pelvic go forward more or go back more as mm-hmm. i run you know and, and that's easier to understand and see it's easy yeah. to understand like that's excessive because your pelvic does not move forward and so then it, it, it goes to neutral, but we want it to go past neutral again. Yeah. And so I got to get it to go forward. Or if your pelvic is on the front side and, and it doesn't come backwards. Mm-hmm. To me, that's easier to coach, easier to understand, yes. easier to even see. And people get that. And, and like I said, we're back to breakdancing. <laughs> we're doing a little bit of that today, too. <laughs> that's fun. That's, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but that becomes a thing is just understanding movement versus static pictures. You know, and, and so once you understand about the arches, once you understand about how the foot's going to rotate around the big toe, that's movement instead of saying pronation. I get it, but I want the foot to rotate around the big. I don't care which way it rotates left or right. I just want it to move around the big toe, uh, or I want my pelvic to move back and forth. You know, uh, instead of just staying here in this position. Same thing. Nothing else stays in what your arms move back and forth. Your torso moves back and forth. So move. Yeah, I think that if you just move your pelvis from a backwards position to a forwards position it's probably going to tilt in the the correct way it's supposed to yeah 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 and it's never going to be too much because it your range is your range and that's what we forget if how we get more out of your range how we take advantage of a person's range and a lot of times we don't understand how to take advantage of a person's range you know and and how we take advantage of that is understand how to fall in the first place Mm -hmm. because i want to use my range to fall faster that's what I want to do. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. When I'm sprinting as well, like I know I've heard it said, well, sprint, have your an athlete in a slightly posteriorly tilted position at top end speed, but then 
if I do that, there's not really an alternation. I, it's harder for me to work with gravity if I'm kind of stuck in a back position, isn't it? Like I, that's where that front to back is. Or does it change at top end speed as well? Like what are your well, still yeah, it's going to change. You know, well, well, it's going to change because what you'll see in races, the person that is winning out the block, say to 30 or 40 meters, they the pelvic's moving and they have hip cycles. You know, then say that person gets passed by somebody else at 50 or 60 meters. They just swapped. Now, this person, pelvic movement finally kicked in. The other person, pelvic movement is, is, is petering off in a sense. So that's the biggest thing that you see when somebody's getting past the top mm -hmm. end. It's just the hip cycle starts kicking in. That means the pelvic is starting to move now. So, so it does matter. It's just a matter of can you keep it moving for the whole race. Sure, like you need to keep hip cycling through the whole race. race. You, yeah. If you stop, that's that's when they. I think a lot of people know when they see it. Like you, you tighten. I'm having my air quotes. Like you tighten up, right, right, and you right. slow down. But it's really the hips. Really, like the hips specifically. The hips stop moving, and this reciprocally, the shoulders probably stop, stop a little moving. Bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people forget too that you have two things going on. You have this joint at the hip, and you have a femur that's doing something, and then you have this this pelvic that's doing something. And they're both working together to make this leg twist and turn, do all these kind of things. And a lot, oftentimes we say, you know, lift the leg. Well, if you just lift the leg, you know, you're leaving part of, part of that, the other half of that joint, the other bone, you left it out of the equation. I think it was interesting. We were at the open track meet a couple weeks ago watching Kevin High jump and stuff. And we were watching the 400s are going off. We we're just watching runners going by. And it was like you could tell in the first 20 meters, right. call the guy, this, this is the guy who's going to win. With the hip, you're watching the hip cycle. Right. And sure enough, at the end of the race, that person's hips are still cycling that way. You know, or hopefully, right? But they, right. they oftentimes were. And right, right, right. Oftentimes they were. And like I said, you see the person's tightening up where they're not moving. Yeah. You know, and you go, yeah. But, but that becomes the thing is, is that we, we, it's about movement. It, it, it's, it's stuff moving and not stuff stuck in one position. Yeah, getting stuck, they're really, it'll get you. Um, so <laughs> outside of just being aware of it, an athlete being aware of it, knowing what certain cues might do, like saying, saying push, and, uh, if you're pushing the ground or you're treating things like pushes and, and uh, that's effect on gravity. But there, is there other little nuanced things that people can do to uh, move with gravity better outside of just being aware of it and, and thinking of it in in terms of just being aware in their movement? Well, I think that's the, that's the first part, just being aware of it. Yeah. And, and then we don't interrupt it, mm -hmm. you know, because I think that we spend a lot of time interrupting. For, for instance, you know, people talk about certain drills, you know, A-skips, B-skips, whatever. You know, A-skips is, is a great interrupter. Yeah. You know, B-skips is a great interrupter because I'm trying to get my leg back down so fast before I have a chance to fall. So I'm working on interrupting. So I've been training, 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 interrupt instead of allowing. And, and so we have to be first be aware of it. And then once we're aware of it, then we, you, you, like today we did some stuff where we, we're showing you we have to teach you how to fall again and trust the fall and trust that the brain's going to reflex and work for you and not let you fall on your face, you know. Uh, or even like, you know, your arms. Arms interrupt gravity right away. So letting you let your fall get started before you start trying to swing your arms. So it's just, just, just be aware of ways that you may be interrupting <laughs> gravity trying to help you. Yeah, that took me to, we were talking about it a little bit, but I, I think I was also thinking about just doing like a snap down type thing. Not that that motion itself is bad. It's just the way it's done as, a, as an interrupter of gravity. Right. Because like if you really snap your arms down aggressively towards the ground, 
try getting out of it right away and see what it feels like compared to letting yourself work with gravity in the fall and let your arms work with gravity in the fall as you typically would. Well, even, what's, what's the name of the one drill we're doing, the single leg with the hop where somebody holds your foot? What's the name oh, of that? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was like the Borzov drill. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, well, that, that was a great Borzov example drill, yeah. how, how we, we take that drill and the person holding your foot up is actually interrupting you falling. Mm-hmm. And then we use that same drill and, and the person's now going to help you fall. Totally, oh. totally different exercise totally different and that's a, i mean i like that i like that motion i think you could also call it like a bulgarian jump and and everyone listening i'll put this in the show notes go to justflysports.com check the show notes i'll, I'll put everything <laughs> in here i'll try i'll try my best yeah we wish i had a tv screen it'd be great if we were going through it exercise right now <laughs> the whiteboard <laughs> yeah someday yes uh it would be I, not like it wouldn't be called sports center it was like something center like yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, but uh it'd be, it'd be really cool anyways uh so yeah it's like uh, this the, a person will hold the the athlete's back foot and then the front leg is they're they're jumping, driving their knee up, and then bringing the foot back down. And this would be like a Valerie Borzov. And I think Borzov did let his body fall when he did it. I, I believe I see. I remember him doing that. I mean, those Russians knew what they were doing. Like, <laughs> I think the translation got jacked up when yeah, it came back yeah, over here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it, a lot of times, and I'll do this with, um, and I probably have to think about this now. But like with the back foot on a, a bench or a rear foot elevated squat, and then the the front leg is like jumping, knees driving, and then it's coming back down. And I think you can do that working with gravity, but how you were doing it, you were having the person holding the foot, like when the person would jump, you, the person would come back down. Yeah. So they would, and it just, yeah, it felt so different. And yeah, I, I'll have to think about how, I don't know how you do if an inanimate object has your foot. I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> to think about it. You know, well, yeah. even that, even the other one we did, you know, we were talking about, uh, what's, what's Otto's uh, athlete's name, the female's uh, friend? Brianna something, Rollins is it? Or oh, Brianna, Brianna something. Williams. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, I hope we didn't mess that up. Yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, if we could patch it, if I could, I'll, I'll be like, it is this. So it's a patch coming in. But, yeah. but, 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 you know, I posted a thing on Instagram showing her walking uh, or, you know, working on staying low. And we did that today, too. But we did it by instead of going over the top of the toe, we went inside the toe, you know, or we went to the left or the right of the big toe to make sure we kept falling as we were going forward, which it was easier to maintain that low position. If you go over the toe, you want to rise up, and then you're going to so, – so even even that, just doing drills where you are working on falling instead of interrupting falling is, is really the big thing. Yeah, and so that was really cool because we started out with that right away, and it's such a simple – like just – and I've seen it in a, a lot of uh, track programs showing up just as low walks. Like I did it. It, it was called like duck – it was very low. There's duck walks all the right, way down. Right, there's, right, right, right. There's walks with hips at a certain height, but I don't think – when I've done that before, I've had my athletes do that. In my time as a track coach, I was—I never thought of it as falling. I just thought, oh, well, this is an exercise that people do, so let's just do it. Right, <laughs> but, right, right. But to think of it as, well, I'm in a squat, a half-squatted position, and I'm walking, and I'm making sure my toes don't grip, and I'm letting my shin fall, that changes the game. And probably the good athletes do it without thinking about it. Do what it. I'm thinking, yeah, because even talking about today is how long can I keep the, the transverse arch engaged mm-hmm. before the big toe gets loaded? Because once the big toe gets loaded, you're coming off of it. It, it wasn't designed to carry the, It's not that type of yeah. lever. It's not designed to carry that kind of load. So, so how long can I keep the, the arch of the foot engaged and stay on that before transferring to the big toe and then be gone? Yeah, and you're really getting just as your shin falls forward in that crouch walk, you're getting to that almost like the inside edge of that big toe, like you're right. working inside edge, edge of the big toe. Right, and that's why you know people, you know, are talking about you know what is inside edge. Yeah. It is what it is, inside edge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no other way around this. You know, it's the inside edge. You know, uh, and, but but that's what it is, and I, and I think 
you know, because, you know, if you don't understand the, the movement that the foot has around the big toe, and that's a whole different conversation about the foot moving around the big toe, you know. And so if you don't understand that, then, yeah, because then you're just going to flex at the big toe and then you're going to lift off and then you're going to rise up and then you don't fall. Yeah, I think that um, watching people do it who do it wrong and get launched upwards, it's they, yeah, the big toe and all the little toes, it's like those, all the toes are kind of gripping and, and you're not letting yourself really tilt to, you're not yielding. You're, right, you're, yielding. You're, you're, That's yeah, the word. Yes. That's the word. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's almost a philosophical thing. And I mean, I love lifting weights. I love the weight room, but it's almost, it becomes a mindset where, where it's not, you're not letting yourself yield anymore. It's, right. I will overcome. Okay. Everything's overcoming. How can I produce more force and overcome everything? And there's a time and a place for that, and that's awesome. But if you always do that and you never let yourself yield, then you become the person who does the crouch walk. It's up, up, it's up and over, not yielding into the right, inside edge. Right, And that's the thing with, with the Nike Vaporfly. That allows you to yield to the inside. That's, if you look at anybody running in that shoe, they yield to that part of the foot. Interesting. Everybody does it. But that's what Nike figured out is how yeah. to get you to yield to that part of the foot. The rest of these guys haven't figured that part out yet. Is that why there's that more of a drop? Because that's more than a five millimeter drop. That heel to toe drop is like ten or something like that, isn't it? It's pretty right, right. And so, see, what I'm saying it's a fall. Yeah. So look yeah, how far, look, look how far I'm falling yeah. now. And that's what Nike. That's what Nike figured out. Whether they, whether it's what they meant or didn't mean, sure. who knows? But if you put it on a regular shoe, the thick cushion interrupts the fall. But Nike figured out whether they did it intentionally or unintentionally, how to let you keep falling. To run. And, and like I said, if you're not interrupting the fall, yes, it takes less energy to keep falling than to interrupt the fall, start a fall. Interrupt the fall, start a fall. Like rolling downhill, just keep rolling. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's crazy stuff when you think about it. It's, I mean, it, at the heart of it, it's really simple, but it becomes in, in actual manifestation Christian Coleman running six three four whatever it's pretty good it comes complex but right right but right right, it, right, right, right 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 well i mean i think that's you you look at you know where he, he he's running like i said he's running sub six four you know only two other people ran sub six four you know uh maurice Greeny and, and ben johnson i think the only other people that ran sub six four so you look at that and, and he's ran they only ran it once i believe he's done it twice three times now yeah. You know, so so you look at you, you go and you go, man, this guy is and that's kind of like when, when when Usain Bolt hit the scene. And he was able to go sub nine six and everybody else is trying to figure out how to get sub nine nine, you know, and it's like, well, something's changed. And, and that's what we, we we see these things changing right in front of us. But we don't take time to study it. We just write them off. Ah, ah, you know, if he straightened out his feet, he would run faster. <laughs> well, the guys with their feet straight and, and they don't understand the function of that feet being out that way is helping him fall continue his role if he turned that feet forward some it will interrupt it now we talked about christian coleman earlier too where at top end it may be hurting him mm-hmm. and that's why like i said ben johnson maurice green both sub six four guys but still nine seven nine and christian coleman i think is in that same range right now so what's happening that they're not going even deeper into it? and i think that's what's happening is that they and if you watch maurice green start too you see where he's at maurice green start was the same thing he was definitely inside edge and i think at top end they lost some of that yeah, I, I really love how much you study, like, the outliers. And, and it's so easy to write it off as, oh, well, that person just produces so much force so they can get away with it. It's right, 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 right. But no, they're doing these things that are different that allow them to do that. And then I think, yeah, like you said, too, that Coleman at that top end, his feet are still out a little bit, and that may be acting against him Tim, at that point. Because too much. Yeah, yeah some yeah. other athletes are able to kind of steer it forward at that right, point. Right, 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 and right. And we talked about Holloway. I think maybe that was the last podcast. We were talking about Holloway and how he... Uh, hurtling and how he just selectively <laughs> steered the feet to what he needed to do. Right. 
Right. So, so yeah. I love it, man. Gravity. We could talk about it for <laughs> a whole a whole excellent, you know, a whole half hour. But uh, hey, kids understand it very well. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. When we were just at the track, I, you know, we were watching like you'd watch the adult run by, or you'd watch the kid run by, and there, there's head little bobbing along using gravity naturally, not thinking about it. And you'd watch the adult. It's not like I don't think it was necessarily coached out of the adult. I think they just stopped moving and playing and doing all sorts of different stuff and just kind of, you know, stopped alternating. You know, stopped. Right. But the, you'd see someone fast warming up, and they were kind of, you know, did the swag swag type run. They right. were they were doing it. Right, right. You know, and I, and that's even like you know, uh, toe drag. You know, toe drag is a fall. Yeah. That's why your toes being drugged <laughs> because you're falling. It's like anything else. If you fall, the toes kind of scrape behind you. You don't have to intentionally do it. You don't have to intentionally train for it. All you got to do is understand how to fall at a fast rate, and it, it just happens. But that's what we keep talking about, how we get to do more things involuntarily instead of voluntarily. And, and, and so scraping your foot on the ground, you know, I don't think that's the best way to do it. I, I, think it's, I just don't think that's the best way to do it because you're not falling. Yeah. No, that was, that was an awesome moment that we had there in the sense that, uh, this first couple of runs I'd done after doing some of these drills, these crouch walk drills, and you give me a few things to have in my in my brain for awareness. I'm like, my toe is dragging pretty good, but I didn't try to drag right, it. It's, it's a just result gravity. Of, yeah. <laughs> gravity made that happen, and, right, and right, I, I right. think that's that's where it's at. <laughs> well, I, well, no, I mean, that's even even you know, like I said, how do I fall? So one of the things we talked about today about even falling and even increasing the distance that I fall, so so gravity, so I have a higher impact. When I hit the ground and higher load on the levers was isos, you know. I'm going to use the obliques to help hold up my leg. So I'm going to iso oblique to help hold up the leg so I can fall a greater distance. Uh, I, I mean, but a lot of people think that's bobbing side to side when it's actually helping you fall a greater distance, which helps you run faster. Yeah, it's, yeah, it really, and that yeah, stride length, and that's what I was saying, going back to the start of this whole conversation, as far as my mind was concerned, like let's just say two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, it's just, it's just well, stiffer off the ground, you, you know, general. And yeah, sure, that helps. Yeah, just right, have right, more resiliency right. in the tissues. Yeah, right. absolutely. But there's these other little falls and stops, and you work your gravity elements and rotations that also put that out there, but we're just not looking for that stuff. Right, because if you go back to, to Bob Hayes, a lot of movement when he ran, a lot of movement. And he ran, you know, you, you got, he's on dirt, running <laughs> in lane one that just ran the 10K, soft dirt. And this dude runs 10 seconds. <laughs> and this was back, what, 1964, 68, somewhere around there? So, so why, if, what, why did we get away from that? And, I, and I, you know what's funny? I was watching the video the other day, and they commented about how uh, the, about Rumor Whitoff. Yeah, she was a good sprinter, too. And about how she wasn't coached, that she had this natural da-da-da, you know. And then all of a sudden, the technical expertise came in with the, with the East Germans. And, and then all of a sudden, everybody got technical, <laughs> you know. And that's when, that's when a lot of things, I think that's when a lot of things, everybody got robotic. Yeah, robots. <laughs> that's always a fun, uh, yeah, anything that's pre-planned robotic. And, and that's all that and the stride lengths is what brings me to our second half of the show topic is, and this was another kind of like, I stood there today uh, you know, had that kind of mind blown moment, just staring off the other side of the track. <laughs> like, but, uh, but before it was like two months ago, it was that the selective isos and breaks and stops to create stride length. Right. And so talk a little bit about that. Like why w- the muscle would selectively fire to stop a joint from rolling or moving in, in a sprint, a jump, uh, or what throw, whatever. Like why would the body want to stop itself in that motion? Well, that's, 
that's one of the, the best things. ISO is, is like the best word ever, you know, and the definition yeah. holds true. Nothing's changing length. And, and so if you, if you want to stop something from moving, you got to stop it from changing length. And, and so ISO is the best way to do it. So, for instance, you know, I want to hold my leg up. So what's the best way to hold the leg up? Well, stop the upper body from extending. So put an ISO on, on one side, and, and all of a sudden the leg can't extend because the upper body can't extend. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so easy and brilliant that, oh, just don't let something move. <laughs> ISO it, <laughs> you know. But, but, and, and also you're talking about how fast can you be to ISO. You know, if you're talking about somebody like Usain Bolt who bobs side to side, how fast can you be to ISO, 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 ISO? You, that's fast now. Mm. And we never think about fast switching. And, and, and that's what we talk about fast switch. Can I turn it on, turn it off? ISO is the best fast switch system ever because I don't want to hold this forever. But I want to hold it and get, out, get rid of it and then go to the other side, get rid of it, go to the other side. So, so yeah, it, it's how do you stop something from lengthening? ISO. Because I don't want to pull it back up and I don't want it to drop. ISO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was doing a lot of research, when I was writing speed strength and, and everything that went with that, and I was going through some East German stuff, speaking of East Germans, I think it was East, it was Russian or East German or something, but they were doing, they hooked um, ele- EMG electrodes up to someone sprinting. Right. And, it, and if you look at those electrodes, you see muscles that are on for just, just blips, just like light switches, like literally like maybe three, four hundredths this muscles on right, at right. this point in the sprint cycle. And so looking at that from, I, I think the easiest thing it, it was for me to see the selective ISO was the calf and like the shin drop, like we've talked about shin drop, the shin right. has to drop to accelerate. Right. And that calf coming on, because if it didn't, the shin would just keep... Keep going. It would keep going, yeah. So it you got, hit the ground. Yeah, so you got to put the brakes on at some point in time. And, and once again, I want to stop something from lengthening. I don't want to shorten it. ISO is your best friend, <laughs> you know, and that's where you, that's where the ISO's caught up at. I, I don't want this thing to continue to lengthen anymore, but at the same time, I don't want to shorten it either. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, what's the ISO? Nothing is changing length anymore. Yeah, it has to stay at a constant length so that the other, and I think like the calf is a good place to really talk about this because it has to, just from my understanding, the shin has to drop for to a certain point, and then when it, it shouldn't drop anymore, that calf has to ISO so that then the hip can extend, right? Then the hip it can passes ex- yeah, it and then it's going to pass on to the hip. And also, if, if that happens too, then also the Achilles gets involved because now I'm going to stretch that Achilles and store some energy in it, and then everything's going to pop and release at the same time. Boom. Yeah, so yeah. That, that cap isos, so the kill. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, Verkashansky, the Russians, talked about like the, this muscle doing a quasi-iso so that the tendons can stretch the <laughs> short because tendons are where it's at. Yeah, yeah. So that's where, you know, but it's, it's, it's like I say, it's cool words, and that's one of the few words that actually is what it is. Yeah. You know, these other words, pronation, supination, we can twist those so many ways. Yeah. Isos, you can't twist. It makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. Like with the hips too. I mean, not to, I know we're on the talking to ISOs now, but it's if I'm running and I'm thinking of, okay, I'm going to posteriorly tilt my pelvis hit now and I'm going to supinate my foot now, it really gets confused. And if, and if I get confused and I've been doing this for 15 years, right, an athlete right. who's just out in the, you know, how do I be faster? Right. You know, am I going to, yeah, it just makes life easier. And also keep in mind, what's the one instruction athletes don't have a hard time with? ISOs. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, and it's it's a, that's the thing that's that's good for both worlds. I mean, I was just talking about the weight room and and how when we get too caught up. But I will say, like ISOs are cool in the weight room. Like it, it's a thing in the weight room, so it can be a thing in the track. Like this exists in both worlds, right? 
and 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 the idea of muscles being on and off and I've, i did that episode with sheldon dunlap talking about like oscillatory isometrics work the bottom of the squat up and down really quickly it's like iso 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 fast and now people's stride lengths are going up like i think that all comes from a similar place right and just learning to respect and appreciate that and right 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 and i i but we've been working on what eccentric concentric as, mm-hmm. as, as, as the king of everything. Yeah. You know, and, and so even a lot of times people talk about, you know, eccentric and, you know, um, um, as, as the strongest, you know, but, but we know this too. ISOs at a certain position is the strongest mm-hmm. that we get. So, so at that point in time, yeah, we need to work them more and more and more because we don't work them enough. We just, we just don't. Or we work them in one position, which is good. At least we're doing something. Yeah, yeah. But to work them in that, that on, off, on, off, on, off, that's a, that's a new day. Yeah, yeah, and that stuff people will note, like when you get there in the the weight room or whatever, and get in that position, get in the position you're being at least just it's the simplest place to start. You right, know, I think right, it, right, right. to get and really break it down in a in a coach's eye, it takes a little bit to get used to. It, but right. I think a very good starting point is well, at least get to this basic position. Here's an on off on off on off ISO, and well, hey, look now you're feeling faster all of a sudden. It's 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 all kind of the same place, but the. Speed, speed, and actually, athletic movement is the king because you're getting that the most repetitions. It's right, your, right, right, right. You're doing right. that the most cycles. And, and you know, with people, like I said, we've been talking about break dancing, but but if you really want to see what what that looks like, find a guy that can vibrate. That guy is, is isolating on and off. I mean, the guy that can, the, and not not too many people know how to 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 vibrate in a break dancing world or a popping world. But you find that guy, you you'll really start to understand. You know, iso on. Off, on, off, on, off, on, off, because that's what it takes to, 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 to vibrate your body. To do, to do things where there's not a lot of range of motion, but, but you get a big output out of yeah, it, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'll have to, we'll have to, I'll have to ping you back and forth on some breakdance moves where that's really, like, <laughs> manifested. I, I just tried to mess around today before doing some sprints, but uh, I know I've heard you talk also about someone's coming out of, like, a three-point start or a crouch start with a hand on the ground. Sometimes that hand that's on the ground will vibrate real fast, almost like kind of the same thing. Yeah, too. kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the vibration is. It's, it's, just, it's just short isos. It's just short isos, yeah. you know? Yeah. I wonder even in like my muse, I've been, um, I've, I mean, I'm always interested in like gymnastic-y type stuff, but I was uh, talking with one of my interns recently about how to do a back handspring and she has a gymnastics like cheerleading background actually. Right. And that to do it, it's like you get you you get in the cartwheel, but you come off the cartwheel. There's like a vibration the way you come off that cartwheel. It's not just a position. There's almost this like this <laughs> oomph out of the round off that gets you into the back handspring. Right, right. And I think that's kind of the you can't like really tell someone how to do that. It's something you kind of feel. It's like you you yeah. it's a surge of energy. Right, right, right. Well, I, I mean, and and you know, just like we you know, isos and breaks. You know, the the whole thing about it. You know, how people interpret that word, too, where we know what it means, but now how am I going to use it? And, and so, like, for me, ISO is, is a joint issue. I'm back to a joint where I'm at a joint, and I don't want this joint to, to extend or flex. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to hold that joint in place? And that's, like I said, that same thing uh, uh, when running, moving, and jumping or anything like that is, is how do I hold the joint in place? And, and so at that point in time, you know, whatever muscles you want to use, that's what you want to do. Yeah. But, but basically what I'm trying to do is figure out how to hold this joint in place. Yeah, and really, it, I think you said like it, it locks so it can pass its force to the next, next joint. Yeah, right. to the next joint in right. the kinetic sequence. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, I know we've talked about this in like arms too in watching like Matthew Bowling sprint the 100. Like he's got that little like pause in the air, right? That little subtle, subtle yeah. probably like a hundredth of a second, some, but it's there like pause in the air. I think you said like the tricep could have that ISO to hold that or something like that. Well, two, two things about 
ISOs is is the first thing is this here, is that if you if you have a battle going on between the the one muscle and the other muscle at a joint, one of them's going to win the battle. But the beauty is the muscle's going to return back to the battle. That's the beauty of how fast that is, is that if I'm swinging my arm back and forth and I have this ISO, at some point in time, the tricep will win against the bicep. But guess mm-hmm. what? The tricep end range will turn off, and then the, it comes right back to that same position to start to fight again. That's one of the beauties about ISOs is that one's going to lose, but it's going to come back to fight again. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to lose, come back to fight again. And so that's how you get some of these, these fast returns. You don't have to swing it back. Yeah. It's the fact that it's going back to the fight quickly is what gets it to return to its position again. Yeah, that, you know, that just made me think, too, about I've had um, I was talking about we were talking about like, the oscillating ISO stuff. It was uh, Dan. Dan Fichter was on the show. I, I could demonstrate this now here because I have some room. <laughs> we're, we're, we're together doing this show, which is cool. So I have room. And, and if anyone's watching, we go back to the Dan Fichter episode. I think we may have posted. But it's like a, if I'm holding an isometric lunge and I am and Dan, the way Dan describes you tense every muscle in your body as hard as you can and then just release it and like yeah. pop it. I mean, I think that's only so and, and you drop like I'm right. dropping from zero down the floor, kind of right. like maybe out there a little bit, but I'm, I'm dropping. I'm not going up. Right, right, right. <laughs> I right, mean, right. Maybe that's kind of like it a little bit. Maybe you could feel like oh, a bunch of tension and vibration and then just get rid of it. Maybe that's like a rudimentary way to kind of get the idea of what you're saying. Uh, well, I. I at Rewire, you know, hey, we got Rewire right. coming yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, I'll let you mention that. Yeah, yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that at the end here, too. One of the things we do at Rewire is, is we do it weightlifting. So we do what we call like an, 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 an ISO deadlift. And, and so we get to the deadlift, and I'm trying to stand up and sit down at the same time. And I just let one of those go. Either I'm going to sit down or stand up now. Which one I'm going to let go? I'm going I'm I'm to let go the one that's trying to sit me down. And that way, the stand-up is going to fire, and then I lift the weight up easy as, easy as can be. But that's another way we look at it, too, is like I said, I got this fight going on, and then all of a sudden, somebody can lose the fight, and the other one wins. Yeah, it's a great place. To, it's a great base position right. to do work, athletically do work. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah, so, yeah, March 7th and 8th, Columbus, Ohio. Rewire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. Okay, so that, uh, yeah, and this show will be really released before that, so people have a chance for that one. And then... Uh, yeah, in closing here, we've talked about some awesome stuff. Um, outside of Rewire, how can people get involved with what you're doing in the online education space? Uh, well, the biggest thing is barrunning.com um, is what we have out now. We, we just started doing modules. Uh, we had like a la carte lessons, and now we, we combine, you know, three or four modules together. For instance, we have, you know, um, um, torque levers and shin angle as, as one module. We have hip cycle, falling, and, and pelvic movement as another module. So we, we combine together into better, you know, learning units and things like that. That's kind of cool. But that's the best way. It's just, you know, barrunning.com. Awesome. Well, speaking of vibration, it's 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 chilly out here, man, and my a, body is shivering. Like my body is. We've it's, been how many? It's always been sunshine and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, my body is definitely uh, vibrating on the chill here. This a little bit. Yeah, we've had some great days here, but some for some reason because our day is just a little chilly. But get, maybe better do crotch walk, slow it down a little bit. You know, <laughs> learn to be patient. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, man. Uh, hey, great talking, Darian. It's, it's awesome spending time with you. So as always, it's, as it's always, been a, man. A always. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate. All right, that does it for another show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. That was fantastic. I love having Adarian Barr on. Every time I work with him, every time I talk to him, I just I always end up just sitting there staring off into space having this mind-blown moment. And part of that being 
man, I wish I would have thought of this before. How could I have overlooked this? And then also just kind of sitting there thinking of the possibilities. And I have so much to be thankful for in my time working with Hedarian. Again, I'm sure that you guys love that show. And if you if you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed what we're doing, uh, please share this podcast with someone you know would uh, get something out of it. You can rate us and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, that helps spread our message and yeah, we really appreciate you guys as listeners. So that um, that would be something that would definitely help us out. Also, our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology. Be sure to support them. Check out their blog. Uh, visit their online store. They recently retooled their website. It looks amazing, and they have the best of in the categories of sports tech. So again, be sure to support them. We are thankful for them. Okay, that does it for this show. We will see you guys next week with another great guest.